3: Looking to get cross-side of thought. LaFondra
2: away from David. 3-1 Reading. Three
3: points Reading. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. It's a pretty terrible time to be a Reading FC fan, isn't it? Uh, It's embarrassing. Uh, There's anger. There's frustration. There's all those emotions mixed up at the moment. But I've been joined by... Benji Nurik to talk about it, the Redden FC reporter from the Redden Chronicle. Hi, Benji. I would say, how are you doing? But it's a mixed bag, isn't
2: it? Well, I was going to say, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you. And while that is the case, I would rather it be under slightly different circumstances.
3: Yeah, totally. We've also been joined by Eric in uh, Singapore. Hi, Eric.
1: Hey, guys. Yeah, I almost feel fortunate to have have missed that last night. I, I didn't even watch it because it was quite late. My time, obviously, middle of the night kind of job. So woke up first thing this morning and, yeah, a bit of a shock.
3: Yeah, I've also been joined by Alex Everson, who was at the match. Um, how are you feeling today?
0: Um, a little better than last night, but I don't really think that's saying very much. Last night was, yeah, I was pretty miserable by the time I got home
3: last night. Yeah, I think that's the state of every single Reading FC fan. I mean, I know for me, I wasn't actually at the game because I can't because of my health issues. But I don't want to get into that. But we are not going to go through all of the goals from last night because that would be too depressing. Uh, none of us want to talk about how awesome Fulham were and how crap we were. We don't have time for that. it. Either. So we are going to look actually more at the whole of Reading Football Club and discuss. How can we move forward? What are the issues? Are there any solutions? Or should we just all pack up and go and support another team? It might just be easier in the long run, mightn't it? So, Benji, you've been at the Kidderminster game. You've been at the game last night. You're a kind of, I wouldn't want to say an outsider, but you're kind of like fresh to the club. You've now seen the insides of it a little bit. What's your thoughts of like how much of a mess that we're in?
2: Yeah, I uh, yeah, I think outsider is probably the right the right word for it. At least uh, a couple months ago, I feel like I'm unfortunately or fortunately now along for the ride. Um, and it, it is interesting because you know I didn't know that much about Reading as a football club before joining. I mean, I remember them obviously from the the Premier League days growing up as a Chelsea fan that was kind of my introduction to Reading was they were always you know one of those teams that you didn't really want to play against because it would always be tricky it would always be a pesky team to play against but um, obviously now it's a very different team a very different club and joining a couple months ago a I, I don't think the situation necessarily was quite as dire potentially as it is now. And B, I think I didn't quite realize maybe how much of a mess maybe it was behind the scenes and on the pitch. And things obviously have just gotten progressively worse and worse and worse. I mean, I've covered now, I think, I think I've reached 10 games. I've seen one win away at Swansea. I'd, I'd like for that number to grow at some point. Um, it doesn't <laughs> feel like it's going to happen anytime soon. Really thought that Kidderminster would be the, the obvious second win to get. Um, And it's just it's it's such a difficult point right now because it's hard to see where things get get better. It's hard to see sort of how things get better on the pitch. Obviously, the squad isn't improving Scott Dan getting injured last night, just more more problems in terms of the actual personnel in the squad and off the pitch. It's hard to see what is being changed, what is what is changing in terms of the structure of the club, in terms of the everyday decision making of the club. It's hard to see how or who is actually making the the, the difference, making decisions because at the moment it looks like oh things are kind of the same as they were maybe two or three months ago, and that's a bad that's a problem when there are so many big problems. So. You know, we we, we we can and I'm sure we will chat more in depth about sort of the, the individual issues. But it does feel like it's almost hard to pick out which issues are the most pressing right now because there are so many. Each one is impactful and each one is sort of, you know, leading to what we're seeing on the pitch, which is this absolutely grotesque showing of, horrible surrendering defeats where Reading really don't even look like they can compete or even want to compete. I mean, last night I think the second half was really a showcase of that where it looked like at least after the third goal that the players didn't want to be there anymore. It seemed like they'd rather be at home um, thinking about either the next game or their next moves to whatever club they end up at next season. So it's one of those situations where the whole club has a feel of almost – I I would say catastrophe, I would say almost end of days, but to an extent it's almost as if that feeling to a lot of people isn't there because it's hard to fully buy into a club where the fans are really not being kept at the center by the ownership, by the management, by the hierarchy. It's hard to to get – I, as a fan of football myself, know that it's hard to put yourself – into such a strong emotion when you feel like the thing that you're caring about doesn't really care about you back. So I I understand any sort of feelings of apathy. I obviously understand feelings of anger and frustration and I mean, hopefully things improve, but yeah.
3: Yeah, I you've covered so many great points there, Benji. Um, there's so much to pick out there, just when you say about some of the players that are 3-0, just come down tools, didn't they? And that's a contract issue, isn't it? which is another thing at the club that is ongoing. It's not just one season that we've had this. But, I mean, Alex, you were at the game last night. The reaction from the crowd, it must be a combination of just anger and just disbelief and embarrassment there last night. And I'm not going to weigh in this at the young players because they're a separate group. I'm looking at senior players here.
0: Yeah, the crowd definitely turned... Um... Turned on on the players uh, and the and the management um, after each goal went in, and it definitely got more and there was more and more people turning against them uh, after each goal. Um, I mean, as you say, the senior senior players within the side. I mean, it, it, yesterday was a bit of a bit different because there just wasn't that many senior players there. Um, but the senior players within the side yesterday, there was just, there's very little, I guess there's very little in the way of kind of leadership, not not captain leadership trying to lead the team, but there's very little in the way of like experience on the field, trying to drag anybody through the situation. Lauren obviously made a mistake very early on in the game. And the only players you went over to him were Holmes and Tetek I think, and that's it. And it, it like, we're talking about Tetek who's what, 19. And has played ten games for the club. And Tom Holmes, who who was the most senior centre back on the field, because every other centre back at the club is either injured or not available for some reason. Um, but you've got you know you've got other senior players who've been at the club years and years in the likes of John Swift, or you've got players who've played at the top level like Carroll or Drinkwater, and nothing happens. Like I don't I don't understand. These are the players you're meant to, as academy graduates, like Bristow or um, you know, players. Players are such like like that. You'd want, you know, players like Carroll or Drinkwater or Swift. You want them to be leading the team and and taking games by the, you know, by the scruff of the neck. Was I expecting this to win yesterday? No, not really. Like it was Fulham. I kind of expected us to lose three or four nil, frankly. But it, it, the manner of which you do it is is is. You know, that's that's all important as well as the result at the end of the day. If people turn up and they see a performance which is befitting of what they think is, um, uh, you know, a, a performance of quality and effort, results, they're not forgiven, but they're at least accepted sometimes. Um, and yesterday, the second half was like, it was unacceptable to watch as a fan. And you know, the players should be embarrassed about it.
3: Frankly, yeah, I uh, totally, I can't, I can't disagree with that one at all because it was a shocking display. <laughs> shocking the way. Not so much that that we lost. We can lose to any team in the league at all. That that's not a problem. And Fulham have already beaten someone by seven this season, and Blackburn Rovers. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to have the turnaround that they had after that happened. But, um, Eric, you're kind of a slightly distant from this situation. Now, maybe that's a good thing right now, but we've got a manager who's overseen two of the worst results in the club's history. I, I don't feel I'm overhyping it by saying that. If you suffer that horrible, horrific defeat at home, 7-0, our biggest in the Football League history, and Kidderminster, how is he still here i uh, i find that hard to understand i mean i know logically why it's happened, but he shouldn't be should he
1: it's a it's a difficult one because you can have two very different perspectives on on the pound situation i think one is he's been dealt the worst hand of any reading manager in recent times uh even you know i remember was it nigel atkins that had the whole team of young players at one point um jose Jose gomez obviously had some restrictions during his time etc etc but he's not been able to sign any of his own players um he's had horrific injury luck covid is not helping um that being said you still have uh, a team of individuals that should be able to beat a national league north side regardless of the injury situation regardless of not having played for a month, which is the kind of excuse that he rolled out, even though Kidderminster hadn't also played for a number of weeks. So as much as some people may see sympathy, including Sir John Mideski, who was on the radio today, um, giving Paunovich a, a whole level of sympathy, it's still unacceptable. You cannot play a National League North side and just completely whimper, not have a shot on target in the second half, Lose two one, lose what looked actually fairly a fairly convincing loss, a fairly convincing defeat against a team that's that far below you. Then take on a team in Fulham who, yes, are very good, yes, has some quality, um, but by all means, you know, if you go to to seven, that is just a clear indication of Downing tools. Uh, I was at the Birmingham City last game of Nigel Atkins era uh, where they conceded six. I was at the Norwich game where I think we conceded seven. Um, And it's just a clear sign of players giving up, downing tools. I think it comes down to a a couple of things, right? If you sign players, like Alex talked about, players taking leadership, players having leadership, senior players like Drinkwater, Carroll, these players are on short-term contracts, and so they don't have time to build an affinity with the club. And... As much as they, you know, should be professional and should do that, you know, when you just sign players on Andy Carroll, a grand a week until January, you know, how is he going to build an affinity with the club and actually really fight for that shirt? And I'm not saying he didn't yesterday. I I don't know. I wasn't there. But clearly the players have stopped and given up in the last few days and it's just completely unacceptable. And the buck does have to stop with the manager at some point because that squad should be a National League North side, no doubt.
0: It, it, when i said a leadership i don't i just before anybody time takes that out of context, i feel like i probably should have gone with the word ownership ownership and professional pride not leadership it's not you know lack of leadership or captains and stuff like that it's it's ownership of your responsibility on the field and uh and professional pride on the field as to to to, to do a good job yeah well, well, that's
1: yeah, I was sorry. Gonna say, sorry I was just gonna say quickly like we've had leaders of the team come out and talk to the fans in the past um, and there's been a deafening deafening silence from every player uh, on social media the only player that kind of came out was Meite, ahead of the game yesterday trying to say let's all stick together let's do something the rest of them are completely silent so whether they've been told to do that or whether the atmosphere is just that poor at the moment that's a question to be asked i suppose which is And then after,
0: after yesterday the only players who came out were Tetek and Halilovic and that was it and, and Halilovic wasn't awesome. in the squad and Tetek came off injured and is a 19 year old academy prospect uh, like kid like where's where's anybody else Where, like i mm-hmm. it, it doesn't change things getting them to come out and and apologize to fans but you can't you can't go and lose like Paul said two of the worst results in the club's history, and then just shut up shop and not not communicate with fans. That's not acceptable.
1: And that also then comes back to the manager and the the coaching staff. Like are they not are they not talking to the players and saying, hey guys, we should probably come out and and say something here. We should probably come out and and at least be open with the fans and say, yeah, we messed up. But yeah, it's not happening. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you get any level of insight, Benji, into what goes on there as a
2: as a Jono? Yeah, I mean, my my view on on Paunovic, and I think you know the the opinion of the fan base is pretty unanimous at this point that people feel that it's time for him to go and it's hard to really fault that uh, that thought process after the two results over this past week and i mean it was very clear in the stadium last night it was very clear on social media and i think you know on the one hand i really do feel for the circumstances that paunovic has been placed in this season you know Things out of his control have gone terribly for him. The combination of the EFL restrictions in, uh, for the transfer market, the six-point deduction, the injuries, et cetera, et cetera. It is a terrible situation. And if Reading were in mid-table and kind of cruising towards safety but not going anywhere this season, I think you could make the very valid argument that Panovic deserves next season or, or deserves the summer where he can be in charge of the rebuild because he hasn't had a fair shot of it this season. But well, the reality is that that isn't the situation. Redinger in a very, very real relegation battle, and there's there's a very realistic world where they go down this season. And that means that you have to change something because otherwise you're just walking towards relegation with, with nothing that, that there's no reason to believe that the way things are currently, that results are going to suddenly improve. Panovic has spoken multiple times about, you know, we just, we'll get through January, then players will come back and suddenly we'll be a transformed team. But the reality is that more players are getting injured every week. Plus, is this team necessarily good enough, fully fit? I mean, it probably is, but it's still going to take months for players to get back up to speed. It's going to, more players are going to get injured. You can't rely on full fitness because we've already seen that that might just not happen. So at some point, you have to make a change. The manager is the easiest thing to change because he's only one person, rather, where the players are 20 and you can't get rid of them now, anyways, because of the uh, transfer restrictions. So I think, as, as I was saying, you know, Panovic hasn't been given a, a fair shot, I guess, in terms of the the, 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 the the things he's had to work under, the circumstances. But at this point, you have to do something to try to change the, the fortunes of the club over these last few months. And that kind of has to be the manager, because who else can it really be? But, you know, if, if they're not going to sack him after Saturday, and then if they're not going to sack him after Tuesday, you have to think, He's probably not going to be sacked. And whether that's because people at the club don't have the footballing knowledge or the footballing know-how to make that decision, totally possible. Whether it's a case of financially they can't do it, also a possibility, it seems like it isn't coming. And it puts fans in a really tough situation because how can you really expect a supporter to go – pay their money to take a train to Middlesbrough or whatever uh, for what's probably going to be a dismal afternoon to, to watch a team that you can't really see changing or a situation that you can't really see changing because the club isn't willing or unable to make the decision to, to push that change. So I really feel for fans where they're at right now because... I personally, where things stand right now, it doesn't seem like Paunovic is going. And I can't really understand from like a logical footballing perspective how that decision can possibly be made. Because at this point, you know, would any other manager at any other club survive what's 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 happening right now? I mean, maybe Sir Alex Ferguson at his best at Manchester United, you give some leeway to until the end of the season, but it's not as if that's the situation at Reading right now. So he really he does have to go. But the fact that it isn't happening is incredibly concerning, I think. It
0: feels, I, I agree with Benji completely here. It, it feels like there's, um, you know, you, you kind of have to get rid of him after these last two results. But the fact that it hasn't happened as of, what is it, 3 p.m. on on Wednesday, um, the fact that it hasn't happened yet suggests it might not happen. And to me, there's a, as Benji said, there's a couple of reasons it might not happen. Either the owners don't, really want to get rid of him for, because they can't afford it. And that, you know, it goes against FFP, definitely a possibility. Um, and the other one is maybe just not that bothered, you know, I don't know. That's it. it, it, The owner. I'm really
1: looking forward to us having to re-record this podcast at 7pm when it comes out.
0: (laughs) I mean, the owner has like, you know, plenty of other businesses. Reading is a tiny, tiny business for him. In reality, it's, if he's not that fussed about it, maybe he just doesn't make the decision because it just doesn't really affect him.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying there, Alex, I'm, in the context of saying it's a tiny business for him. But for us, it's massive. 100% huge. I mean, for me, as a Redding fan, and I'm sure Eric and uh, Alex is exactly the same, maybe not you, Benji. Sound like you might be a bit of a Chelsea fan here. But I feel um, uh, it's just... a uh, a passion is there, and I feel the pain of watching that. It was humiliating. It was, I just felt sad, and I felt the Kidderminster game was just as bad. I don't know which one was worse. I, it's just horrible watching that, and it's like it is like watching a family member suffer. That's how much they mean to you because your football team, you get at them, get them, and you don't change. That is part of who you are and your identity when you meet people. So many times people say to you, oh, what team do you support? And that's it. And being a Ren fan, you take a load of stick for it. But that's who you are. That's who I am. So when they get humiliated like that, it really, really affects your mood and everything about you. You shouldn't. It's sport, but life
1: isn't logical. But we've all spent thousands and thousands of pounds 20 30 40 years supporting the club um and it's almost as as dismal as it could have been obviously we had the thing in the 90s of thames valley royals and we had situations in 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 lower divisions but actually the current situation of the club is if the owner goes uh, we're at real risk of administration and even worse shutting shop if he takes all the money with him. We still owe him rent for the stadium, for the training facilities, et cetera. That's all owned by him. So it's hard to to, to kind of imagine or think of the club being in a worse uh, situation, or at least at the start of, because it only. F- if it also feels like this is just the beginning of a situation that over the next couple of months or couple of years is only going to get worse before it gets better, because an immediate fix doesn't seem likely. I can't see from where that would come.
3: Yeah, that's going to bring me on to the owner thing situation because it is really, really, really concerning because the club will always come out and say, he's not going to leave, he's not going to do this. But they did exactly the same before Anton Zingarevic left. They did exactly the same before the ties left. So (laughs) I don't really believe or know what to think about it. And if he was to leave, we don't own the football stadium. We don't own the training ground. That is perilous and the flip side of that, people listening will think, yeah, but he covered the COVID wages and the situation. I admire that completely, totally. But he's created a wage bill so big that it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's part a huge part of the issue. But Benji, mm. the ownership, I mean, you, you'd never have any contact with Da Young because I'm sure you've tried plenty of times. <laughs> you just can't get anywhere with him, can you?
2: No, I mean... I think Reading's ownership situation is a microcosm of a lot of the problems in, in football at the moment, or at least in English football, where you've got this guy who never, I mean, I know he was there at the Nottingham Forest game, but he never shows up. He never speaks. You never hear from him. He's someone who controls the fate of the club and to an extent almost has the club hostage in the sense that it's hard to be too critical of him or it's hard to like protest against him or anything like that because you've got this nagging thought in your head of, oh, if he leaves, we're in even more trouble than if he stays. And that's a super unfair position for fans to be in because he's not doing his, his job right now as the custodian of Reading Football Club. He's not supporting the club in the way to build the to build the the foundations to help the club be in a better position when he leaves than when he arrived. But the problem is, as as you just touched on, if he goes, what what even happens at that point? It's it's end of days type of talk. So it's 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 really a difficult situation because you criticism is incredibly fair criticism that I mean myself and the Reading Chronicle were part of this weekend and throughout. But it it feels like what is the alternative at the at the at this moment but that being said that doesn't give the ownership it uh, doesn't i don't think that gives the ownership a way out and i'm not trying to say that that does give the ownership a way out because things need to change and they need to change immediately i mean the first thing is that it's ridiculous and just so sad that fans know nothing about what's going on inside their club. It's an absolute joke. And I know that it's a thing in football as a whole right now, that clubs are very secretive and closed off to their fans, which is ridiculous as as a whole, because the club should be for the fans. So they deserve to know what's going on. And Reading is worse than most clubs. I mean, you try to reach out to Reading and get any sort of information on what's going on and you always get no comments. You always get blank. There's nothing that you're going to find out. Meanwhile, there's very, very real questions that need answering. And so, you know, I, I don't really know. I, I think the way the fans are being treated by their club is incredibly disrespectful and just shows no sort of understanding that actually the fans are the bedrock of this club. And if, if they're, they're not going to leave, I guess that's, that's the catch 22, you know, it's that they know that they've got these people tied in for life so they can treat them as badly as they want. But it's just so disheartening and sad because Reading fans shouldn't be in the situation where they have to wonder, oh, what's going on with my club on a day-to-day and a long-term scale. They should be able to feel, all right, things aren't great, but at least we know what the plan is. At least we know how the, what the idea is to, I guess, put us back on the right track. And there's no way for Reading fans to know that because they get told nothing. And it's not as if I have tons of insider information that I can share because truthfully it's incredibly hard to find things out it's an incredibly hard uh you know it's incredibly hard to know who actually knows anything because it's incredibly uh it's incredibly closed off at the top where certain people know what's going on and certain people make the decisions and then the rest a lot of people are kind of just guessing to an extent and it's it's bad it's a bad situation to be in because it it it's just as as i said unfair on fans and i'm i'm losing my point ever so slightly because i'm frustrated by the situation that that the that the club is in but as i said i think the the lack of communication the lack of transparency um i think it's okay if you're a club like let's say chelsea who are routinely competing for trophies have a good business model even if it's funded by a very wealthy owner wh- whatever you you can feel confidence in the way that they run their club and so for the club to come out in, in the meeting with Starr last week or the week before and say, well, you know, plenty of other CEOs and owners don't speak publicly. It's, it's a ridiculous thing to say because most other clubs are not in the situation that Reading are in. Reading, as, as you were just saying before, if the owner backs out all of a sudden, which is something that happened at the two previous clubs he owned or his family owned, who knows what even happens to the club so to suggest that it's okay that there's no transparency or communication because other clubs are in that position is just fundamentally makes makes a mockery of of what every Reading fan is feeling right now which is very valid anger frustration pain etc so I don't know if that fully made sense but it was a a frustrated rant I guess
3: yeah I there's a point that I want to pick up but when you said the club, use other clubs as an example of owners that don't speak. What? Why do we have to be like that? Why do we have to be that club that follows everyone else and use a really bad example to be that bad example again? That makes no sense to me. I mean, why can't we be the club that has a bit of transparency? I'm not expecting us to suddenly go from this to going into the Premier League in a year. It's going to be a gradual process. But you have to open up slightly because at the moment... The club and the fan base is breaking down. Just look at the stadium. No one's there. Nobody cares so much as they used to. If if you lose your fan base, you're losing everything and you will find it incredibly hard to get them back. We don't have that solid fan base that massive clubs have and they will come whatever league we're in. Leeds United, they still have 30,000 there in their stadium. If they're in League 2, it's irrelevant. They will go.
1: We don't have that and
3: yeah, we, we used to be we used to be
1: known as a we used to be known as a community club, and to be known as a community club, you need to have a connection between the club, the players, the fans. And over many years now, there's been a distinct lack of uh, Reading openly communicating with fans. It doesn't have to be every single week. We don't need Twitter updates of what Dai Young is getting up to in his personal day to day, but it's driving people away because. I think since I've moved, especially, but even before that, before COVID, I was feeling less and less connected to the club. And I think the first thing that that caused that is a complete lack of communication, a complete kind of lack of understanding of what's the actual strategy of the club? What's the long-term plan? What's the vision? What are we trying to achieve? What's our business model? Um, If you look at someone like Brentford, and I hate to use the example, it's quite a tired example, but... They know what they're about. They've been doing it for many years. And guess what? They're now in the Premier League, relatively successful. If you look at a club like Chelsea, um, they've had a very clear strategy for many years. They buy lots of players, they loan them out, they sell them for profit. And that's how they sustain buying those better quality players. And they're trying to push up the league and obviously won some trophies and stuff like that. We don't have a strategy. And if we do, it's certainly not being communicated to anyone. Uh, that I know of, and that that's a problem, and that's going to drive more and more people away, um, and that's just one of the problems, right? There's a long list, but there's my rant.
0: <laughs> the thing is, where the thing with the the strategy and and knowing what the business model is as well, it it's not limited to being a big successful club. You don't need to be a Chelsea. You don't need to be Brentford in the Premier League. I mean, you only have you can look down the leagues, and there's plenty of clubs where you can see okay, this is the business model that they've adapted or adopted. Um, this is how they're going to be successful in the next three to five years. And this is like, this is what they're going to do. Look at Lincoln. Lincoln bought themselves up from the conference and are now sitting what mid table in, in league one, look at Accrington Stanley. They their budget is tiny yet. Everybody knows exactly how they operate because the chairman is very transparent and he comes out and says exactly what the, what the club is going to do. Um, and at Reading, we've got none of that. We've got absolutely no idea what the plan is. What's the plan for next season? Does anybody have any idea? Like, who? What are they going to? Who are they going to sign? They haven't got haven't got any money to spend on wages next year or whatever it is—eight million or thirteen million or something—spend to spend on wages. They've got no players under contract, barely. Um, what's the plan for next year? Like, the club haven't ever really come out and said anything. They've just basically said, "Oh yeah, we have to stick to a business plan this year and next year." without ever actually acknowledging the fact that there's long-term consequences of the fact that they were now under this business plan.
3: Yeah, it would help if I um, uh, unmuted myself. But <laughs> it's kind of um, uh, got too involved with that one. But yes, it's a real worry. But I'm going to try and find, at least in this ideal scenario, of how we can move forward. Now, I asked a question on Twitter. What was the one change you would make structurally going forward for a Reading Football Club? Now, obviously, lots of people say the manager, and I can understand that completely. But I'm talking more about the structure behind the scenes. Mid to long term Yeah, 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 definitely. And director of football was one that came up just repeatedly, repeatedly, I'd say 90% of the answers were about that. Um, Brian McDermott comes up, but I'd love to see Brian back at the club, but I just want someone. I want someone to come in and I want Keir to go. I don't want him near the club. I don't want him in the vicinity. I don't want him in the country. (laughs) Okay, That's why I don't want him any near. I want no contact between him and Di Young because he is an absolute disaster. He was here with the ties before, He leached a load of money out of the club then, and now he's doing it exactly the same style. And our owner is falling for it again. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When
2: conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness,
3: decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. But what do you think, Benji? Do you think that is going to be something that is going to help us? I know there's lots of other issues, but surely we need someone in that position.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you speak to people sort of around the football industry, and People are kind of scared of Reading. You know, agents don't really want to send their players to Reading, which is why, you know, a lot of players are sort of people without other options because players with other options. Agents don't really want their player coming to Reading. And a big reason is, you know, you, you hear this, this comment a lot, and it's, I heard it quite a few times with people I spoke to this week, you know, this is what happens when non-footballing people are making football decisions. And it is a, a, it's it's an easy statement to say, but it's, it's, it's true in a lot of senses that, you know, if you don't have people who, A, understand the game as a whole, and B, understand the the game in this country and what it takes in the championship you're going to have huge huge struggles because is this the one industry in the world where you can get by without any experience it it seems like it might be and it's just crazy and i think you know what you what you said there about kia i don't know if director of football as a title is necessarily the answer i think it's more about die if he if he still is committed to the club, which obviously the last statement we heard from him said he was, then he needs to surround himself with people who are going to turn the money that he puts in, whether that's a lot or a little, into some sort of concrete plan on the pitch and around the club. And currently the people that he's surrounded with aren't that. Whether it's people who just don't have an idea about football and how to build a club, or whether it's people like Kia who have ulterior personal motives of their own, he's surrounded by people who don't have that much of an interest in seeing Reading Excel like we all do.
0: Yeah, I mean, you only have to look at the, the people who are involved at the club at the minute outside of Kia. The, C- the CEO is one of Dai's friends, and his skills involve he's good at Excel. I mean, I'm good at Excel. Doesn't mean I should be CEO of Reading Football Club. Like, come I on. I think I'm happy at the moment, Alex,
1: over the current establishment. I'm not joking.
0: Yeah, well... Thank you. Uh, I'll take the job. Um, but I mean, it, get a grip, like bring in someone with some experience, bring in someone who knows what they're doing. Don't. Why are you giving a job to your mate to do it? It's ridiculous. Like, It doesn't make any sense. Bring in someone who can, knows what they're going to be doing. Bring in someone who can pull a plan together um, and, and not someone who's like, you know, a dab hand with Microsoft
1: Office. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think number one on the qualification sheet for anyone that they bring in should be they have to care about the football club more than their own bank balance. You look at Kia, he's an absolute leech. He's been a leech for a long time in the English game. He's only in it to make as much money and to become as famous as he possibly can. Uh, It's a disgrace because he cares much more about his own bank balance. And that's what he's trying to do. He's found an owner. If the owner has got good intentions, which is what we're told, the owner's got great intentions. He's put lots of money in then Keir's using that to his advantage to, to line his own pockets. Ron Gawley was the same. Ron Gawley came in, great CV, great-looking CV, and he actually he's absolutely ruined the club, hasn't he? And it was all in his own interest, his own ego. So the number one um, uh, requirement for anybody that comes into the club should be they must care for the welfare and the long-term future of the football club. And if they're not that, then they shouldn't get anywhere near it, to be honest.
3: I totally agree on that. We need to find a way forward in this situation, um, Alex. You wanted to say something?
0: Yeah, and I mean, uh, we—I know we've we've mentioned Kier a number of times, but there's other people in the background as well who are who are definitely involved. Um, there's the 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 guy who used to be uh, chief executive Man City, uh, what a decade ago, John McBeef. He's involved in the background at, the, at this club at the minute. He was a season ticket holder here 10 years ago. How can you possibly be a season ticket holder here 10 years ago when the club was at probably one of its most successful points and now be an advisor towards Die Young and and within the club and, and, you know, be involved with this going on? I don't understand that at all. It's
3: madness. It's shocking. Yeah, it is, isn't it, basically? (laughs) A lot of it is shocking. The whole situation with Reading, I can't see Um, an easy kind of gateway for success here Benji I'd love to be able to say oh we just appoint this person and one other person it's just wholesale change and there's lots of things probably going on that are positive behind the scene as well it's probably not all negative but there's a lot of bad 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 appointments being made or people have left because they know they're in a sinking ship and why wouldn't you leave
2: yeah no you're absolutely right and I mean it's it's so disheartening i guess to look at a situation and it one thing you know if the performances on the pitch weren't good and that was the extent of the problems then you say okay there are solutions to this we can sack the manager we can bring in new players etc etc but the problems run so deep that it's hard to figure out what what the way out is and if you don't have people who are really quite savvy and good at at, at running a football club then it's hard to have faith that 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 It's hard to have faith without those people at the club that things are going to get better. And the combination of how difficult of a situation it is at Reading right now, which I think we all understand and agree is a difficult situation. But to be in that situation and to have the people in charge prove already that they don't know how to deal with it is just so worrying. Because why are you continuing to hand the keys to these people who have shown that they 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 can't do the job, or at least they can't do the job successfully. It's time to, to start at the top, make big changes, figure out how to run this club over the next couple of years. And if that doesn't happen and it doesn't, there's no signs that that is happening. There's no signs that any wholesale change is coming. It just seems like a continuation of uh, what what we're seeing now is continuing in the coming months. It's hard to feel positive or optimistic about where this club is, say, this time next year or this time five years
3: yeah i'd love to come up with a solution that's, right now that's <laughs> i'd easy. love to i'd love to be able to wave a magic wand and just say oh yeah look all of a sudden we're not amazing but we're okay that's the point that we're at we just want to be okay alex you're going to say something there yeah i was just
0: going to say that's if there's a club in 5 years still here benji and i don't want to i don't want to come across as really like down and and you know pessimistic there but genuinely that's where it could be And I I don't think that that's an unrealistic uh, scenario, that there is every chance that in two years' time, this club might not exist. If we get relegated this season and the owner pulls out, like, who's coming in to buy Reading?
1: What what billionaires are out
0: there who support Reading who want to come in and take this on?
1: Yeah, and can we debunk that myth as well? I've seen a few people on Twitter saying, oh, going down would be good. You know, no, We could reset. Going down would be an absolute catastrophe for the finances. You cannot play in League One and have Liam Moore on 30 grand a week. Um, and like you say, Alex, it's, there's a real risk that the club is not going to be here the way it's heading. And relegation will be the first step in kind of heading down that path. It would be a catastrophe. Going down and resetting. There's no such thing. One, you can't reset if you haven't got any players. And two, you can't reset if you haven't got any fans, which we won't in League One, because they're already disappearing now. Full.
3: Yeah, I my major worry about if we get relegated is obviously terribly financially, it's not the players, it's the average staff that work at Redden Football Club. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that will lose their jobs. And when I when I just want to also add, when I'm talking about people running Reading Football Club, I'm not talking about them. I think they do a great job there. There's some great people at Reading at FC. We we know like, some of them personally. Yeah, There's some great exactly. people I'm not at Reading FC. About them in any way, I'm talking about the higher higher levels of Reading Football Club, the, the ones who make the real decisions that affect what happens on the pitch. But Benji, it's been it's been a real torrent since you've arrived at the football club. Um absolute <laughs> wave of disaster. I'm not blaming you in any way. I'll take, I'll take <laughs> um, the blame. Is this kind of I don't know how we can get out of this realistically? If I was to ask you this question now, give me your gut response on this. Are Redmond Football Club still going to be in the championship next season?
2: <laughs> that is that is a a, a difficult question. I, I think. Last week, I would have said yes. Um, This week, it's hard to be as optimistic just because it doesn't. It feels like things are only getting worse rather than better. And there's still, you know, there's still, I guess, a three-point cushion between uh, uh, Reading and Peterborough. But that can change in one week. I mean, the teams still have to play each other. So my gut feeling is that is yes, but I don't know if that's because I want to say yes or if it's because I honestly believe it. Um, it's 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 hard because I mean if, if obviously if players do come back from injury that'll be a big boost but it's hard to see the way things are the way things seem to have turned against the manager I mean I've never seen a manager come back from such a a low point it seems like whenever a team tries to prolong the manager's time when things get this bad and the fans turn against them it always ends a few weeks later eventually it just you're just wasting more time before you eventually make the decision but Honestly, I'm not sure if the decision is going to come with with this club with the the way things are right now. And I think that's a huge problem because while I don't think it's Panovic's fault, the situation that the club is in right now, you have to change something. You have to you have to spring some sort of life back into the team. And obviously the players should be motivated enough to get themselves there automatically, but the reality is that that isn't the case. Too many too many players it it is too close to just a job rather than you know a passion for reading football club and so you need your manager to really be able to sort of take on that motivational uh that motivational capacity and if that gets lost the team's going to be in trouble and i mean i know some some people around the club feel that paunovic might be too nice to the players sometimes and a little bit too much of a friend rather than you know someone who really can crack the whip and get people in into shape when when it's necessary and I don't know I mean I'm not in the dressing room so I can't say 100% if that's true or not but I I, I do think there's a there's a chance that they need sort of you know a different kind of manager and I think manager. Managers, it goes in a cycle where if you've had a very laid-back manager who, you know, wants to treat everyone kind of as their friend and really wants to be lovey with everyone, that can work fantastically well. But when that stops working, you almost need the opposite. You need someone to give that immediate culture shock, that culture switch. And then if you've had someone who's a real disciplinarian, someone like you know Jose Mourinho, you you normally need the opposite when he goes. And right now, I think Reading, the players, they just need something to, to push them into gear. They need to sort of feel something different, I guess. And that can only really come from the manager. But if the manager stays, I have very real fears that uh, Reading will end the season in uh, in league one. And I think, you know, just going back to the previous point that you all three of you were making sort of about the more existential um, concerns about the club, I think, it's easy to kind of feel like that's a long ways away, but the reality is that these things change incredibly quickly. Darby County, just a couple of years ago, we're playing Aston Villa in the playoff final, and we've all seen this year what, what, what's happened to them. I, I covered Charlton Athletic beforehand, and they were a club who, in a pretty quick space of time, went from being with an owner who was unpopular, but was paying the bills to suddenly in a state where people didn't know if the club would exist in a month uh, from from in a month's time. So these things change quickly, especially in the modern day when there's so much money involved. So I think fears are fair, and it's it, it by the time I guess if you if you feel like you can put off that fear, by the time you actually feel it, it might be too late.
1: Yeah, the the only glimmer of hope in terms of the the question: Are we staying up, and are we going to be a, a championship club? There's only one tiny slither of light for me, and that is uh, the only hope I have, which is Lucas Zhao. Um, last year, when we were in terrible form, he came back into the team and he transformed our our season. He transformed the form that we were that we had. Uh, he's the sort of player that could create something out of nothing. Now, whether the rest of the players around him are already too far gone and he can't make that happen again is obviously uh, an important question, but. You would say if Lucas Jao could come back, fit, firing, and inspire some of the players around him, we might just have enough to stay up this season. Uh, That doesn't help the longer-term problems and the kind of contract situations, the finances, or anything like that. But in terms of just staying up this season, that's the only hope I have. And um, yeah, Benji, just no matter how bad it gets, I will never support
3: Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) That's I take (laughs) no. Yeah, no, wow. Well, I wasn't expecting
1: anything upbeat there, Eric. You have done remarkably well to bring anything I have to try like and do that. something. <laughs> you know, last season, Lucas Jab did play really well and did carry the team at times. Yeah, but what pressure on him now, though? What uh, pressure? And, I mean, and can wow. he stay fit? <laughs> That's the Yeah, other well,
3: yeah, I mean, he has a history of getting injuries, but when he's fit and... know properly fit not just with a terrible shoulder injury walking around on the pitch which you know he tried to play on respect to him but it can't Wow, i can't imagine that much pressure but i think i'm going to wrap it up there because honestly i think otherwise we're just going to go around in circles about the state of reading football club and there's a lot we could talk about but thanks a lot for listening and thank you all for joining me and we will be back with a preview show this weekend for the game away at Middlesbrough. And if you're going to that, wow, I salute you. Oh, Alex is going to that. What an absolute crazy person. Well, Benji, you'll be in pain. So don't even <laughs> Cheers then. Thanks a lot. Bye.